the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, on Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stand begins a series on the gifts of the Spirit. It's recorded for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. From Grace Bible Church in Hayward, this is Way of Grace. Hi there. Welcome to the program. Pastor Jesse Gastand has been spending a lot of time with us on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We have just wrapped up a beautiful series looking at an amazing illustration of all of this in Genesis with Eliezer, Abraham's servant, as he goes out to find a, a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. Well, today we transition from Genesis to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to take a look at the spirit and spiritual gifts specifically. Today's message is called a triune collaboration. It's a foundation for where we're headed in the next couple of weeks, looking at the various gifts of the spirit. Won't you join us? For today's broadcast of Way of Grace, once again, here's Pastor Jesse. I'm going to be talking to you about the gifts of the spirit. And I'm going to be laying down a number of principles today, a lot of terms and concepts you have never heard before. And they're really going to be the front end of a preparation for about four or five studies. And so really take notes. And if you don't take notes well, get the CD, listen to it 10 times because you're about to hear things that you just may have never considered or heard as well. And it's important that you capture this. The last thing you and I want to do is get the gifts of the Spirit of God wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 actually addresses that. The church at Corinth was highly favored by God, blessed significantly by God, but they messed up in a number of areas. The first thing I want to say is that when we talk about the gifts, plural, of the Spirit of God, we are talking about what we might call third category issues. Third category factors. And what that means is the gifts of the Spirit are not an end in themselves. The gifts of the Spirit of God are not the final destination or the final goal or the final uh, manifestation of our identity. They are simply instruments and tools, as we'll talk about here a bit more. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we are talking about something given to us by God that must never become a substitute for God himself. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, I am talking about a a tertiary or a modal expression of what God gives to us, but never ever fall prey to assuming that the gifts of the Spirit are evidences of your salvation or causes of your salvation, as has been the case in many of our churches. But we do really want to get 
a real working handle on the gifts. The first thing I want to say is that the concept of a gift is pretty intrinsically known. It's something what? Given to you. Given to you. It's something granted to you. Literally, the Greek term, not in our text here, because Paul is dealing with the gifts of the Spirit in terms of their qualitative nature. So if you are writing something down by way of adjectives, the gifts talked about in the Bible have a qualitative nature. Watch this. And then they have a characteristic. They have a characteristic and then a qualitative nature. For instance, the scripture will talk frequently about salvation being a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? That gift of God there is what we call a characteristic of how God engages you and I in our salvation. That idea of God gifting us freely by his grace means that God does something for us that was not merited on our part. It is a what? Free gift of God. That term is comprehended in Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well when he said to the woman after he had asked her of a cup to drink or would you give me a drink? And she said, who are you? I don't know you and all that. Jesus said, if you had known who I was and the gift of God that is now talking to you, Jesus viewed himself as the gift. That term there is characteristic of how God actually reveals himself to him, to us and gives himself to us. Dorea is the Greek term. And it means characteristically that God gives it to us freely without us earning it. So gifts are characteristically something given. Now, qualitatively, that's a whole nother discussion. In our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14, we are dealing with the qualitative nature of the gifts. The assumption is that you and I are in the sphere and in the rim by which gifts are given. The assumption is you are a child of God already. You know God, the Father, you know God, the Son, and you know God, the Holy Ghost. Getting back then to the notion of never, ever substituting the gift for the giver of the gift. Never substituting the gifts of the Spirit for Jesus. Jesus is the penultimate gift. He is the penultimate gift. This is what he meant when he says the gift of God that is now talking to you. If you had known, you would have asked me for a drink. But now when I use the word penultimate, it means that probably about 10 of you understand what I'm talking about because you finally went to college because you don't get these terms in high school. Penultimate is not ultimate. You see, whenever you understand Jesus as the gift of God, you understand him as a gift from the Father, who is the ultimate and source of every good and perfect gift. James chapter 117. I'm teaching you theology. You got to get this. Jesus, who is our salvation, he is the personification. He is the totality. And as you're going to see here shortly, he is the functional means of the gift. Jesus, that gift is given to us by God the Father. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God, comes from our Father. And so Jesus is the means to an end, and the end is God himself. Okay, but Jesus himself went back to the father after accomplishing eternal redemption. And then he sent us another gift. That gift is called what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So the father is the giver of the gift. Christ is what we call the personification of the totality of the salvation gift. And the third person is the gift of the father through the son by which everything that Christ owns now can be communicated to us. Hence our whole series with Rebecca and Isaac. That whole series was about the third person bringing gifts in order to draw a bride for Isaac. Is that right? That third person being Eleazar in type was not Abraham. He was not Isaac. He was the third person, was he not? He was the one who brought the gifts, was he not? The gifts were aimed to point you somewhere else. They were not to terminate on you as the end and aims, if you will. So gifts given to us by God, children of God, are tools and instruments. And it's important qualitatively what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 14 are spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. In fact, the way verse 1 opens up in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul describing how the believers should pursue spiritual things, pneumaticon, uh, follow after charity, and then desire what? Spiritual what? But rather that you may prophesy, the King James uses the term gift because what he's talking about is the qualitative nature of the gifts. Like you have material gifts and you have immaterial gifts. You have spiritual gifts and you have carnal or earthly gifts. You have eternal gifts and then you have temporal gifts. You have gifts of salvation. You have gifts of sanctification and you have gifts of service. I'm teaching you now whether you know it or not. These are categorically distinct in scripture. The gift of salvation is grace through Christ, eternal life for those who believe. Is that right? The gift of sanctification is the employment and work of the third person in shaping you and growing you and maturing you and developing you so that you can be useful for the kingdom of God. That's what the third person does. He adorns you with gifts so that you can honor God. Those gifts come within categories. Some of them are temporal gifts. They are gifts that God grants you and I within the framework of our personality and our backgrounds and our skill sets, because God uses everything. Those temporal gifts will be gifts that you learned from a child that were probably given to you as a consequence of the culture you grew up in. A lot of us may have had the real advantage of parents who were very uh, high on education. And therefore, the culture you grew up in afforded you to think early in your career about education and accomplishing degrees and and taking on skill sets so you can prosper in life. Is that true? That is a gift from God, too. Solomon made it very plain. This, too, is the gift of God. What did he say? He says, it is given by God that every man should prosper and work and enjoy the goods of his labors because that's all you have under the sun. It's a gift. It's a gift. And I'll talk about the importance of that in a moment. But I'm talking about in general, we all have gifts. We have them intrinsically in our nature as part of our genetic makeup. They are culturally given to us in terms of our environment. There are people who are very deprived, if you were, are depleted of gifts because they did not grow up in an environment where parents made available to them options, skill sets, tools for being able to be uh, self-sufficient, independent and prosperous in their life. So when they grew up, they grew up and discovered that they did not have a lot of personal intrinsic 
qualities relative to gifting. And they had to go and learn how to think all over again and build a whole set of drives and and priorities and aspirations and qualities by which they could function. Am I making some sense? And yet the gifts that we're about to talk about now in first Corinthians, may I say this very quickly in as much as we are children of God, if we are believers in Christ, we are part of a family of God. If we are indeed in Christ and God has no children that he has not qualified and gifted to prosper for his glory and the good of the body of Christ. That means we don't grow up in God and say, you know what? My heavenly father never, ever gave me a gift. He never, ever opened my eyes to understand certain advantages and certain abilities and certain skill sets that he gave me. So I'm kind of a spiritual pauper. There are those who walk around acting like they don't know what to do because they don't have an understanding of who they are and what they have, and what they're called to do in Christ. Now I know I'm getting into your business a little bit, but that's why your elder prayed for you, remember? Because a lot of us will act like daddy gave us nothing but maybe salvation. And nothing can be further from the truth. Let me add this, that when we talk about gift singular, and we talk about gifts plural, the gift singular is in total salvation, eternal life, The gift singular is to adorn the God that gave it to us. It's in order not only to adorn God, but to draw the lost sinner to the God who himself brings about this glorious redemption in our life. Let me put it this way. The gift plural are spiritual accessories in order to honor the gift singular. The gift singular is Jesus Christ, the risen son of God himself. A very important categorical distinction in that accessory gifts of the spirit are designed to equip the redeemed in order to adorn the redeemer, the singular gift, Jesus Christ, as a witness and reality to the truth of God in us. That made sense, didn't it? And the gift singular, that is Christ, who is the risen Lord, whom we will celebrate in about three weeks, I'm looking forward to it, is in order to save the sinner so that in his redemption, he, she, or they are made useful for the glory of God to the advance of the gospel of his marvelous grace. Y'all got that? They all start with the Father. They are summed up in the Son, and they are applied by the Spirit of God. The Father is the source, the Son is the means, and the Spirit is the what? Cause. The line of reasoning that we are properly uh, pr- uh, presently dealing with has to do with making sure that you keep your categories right and that you don't collapse into what we're about to deal with in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because what God gave us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a classic case of misprioritizing blessings. It's a classic case of misprioritizing blessings. That's where our outline is going to open up. But for those of you who are taking notes, I want to make a few other observations before we dig into our text. We have already understood and defined the concept of gifts in terms of their character as something God gives to, gives to us. In terms of their quality, they can be material, they can be spiritual, they can be temporal, they can be eternal, they can help us now and they can help us in the future. What we're going to press into for several weeks is specifically spiritual gifts. 
pneumaticon, gifts, okay? Gifts of the spirit, gifts communicated by the spirit, gifts that are spiritual in nature, and they ultimately have a spiritual aim. So under this concept of gifts, this instrumentality of the spirit of God, you will find four or five major passages in your Bible that will treat them in the New Testament more particularly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which corresponds with, if you will, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We'll touch on that a bit. We have what we call the origin of the gifts, the origin of the gifts. And then we have what is called the, um, the aim of the gifts, or the administration, rather, of the gifts. And then finally, the aim of the gift. We'll see that in our outline. Origin, administration of the gift, and the aim of the gift. We see the same thing over in Ephesians 4. Of course, Paul is the means by which both texts are written. Origin of gifts, administration of gifts, and aims of the gifts. But you'll also see them in Romans 12, verses 1 through 8, what I call form of gifts. The form or expression by which the gifts are practically applied. That's something we have to talk about too. So then, if you and I receive gifts from God, Whatever those gifts may be, we'll talk about that here in a moment. We want to know how those gifts express themselves in our lives. How does the gift that God gives me manifest itself? How does it show up? How does it function? So we got two things we're thinking about. The form of the gift that God gives me and the function of the gift that God gives me. I need to know the form and the what? Function. Form or expression, because that's the goal of the Holy Ghost in giving you gifts. Hear me now. The Spirit of God is unseen, undetected. You can't smell him. You can't hear him. You can't discern him with the physical eye, physical ear, or physical senses. If you do, it's not the Holy Ghost. I'll talk about that shortly. The only way you know the Holy Spirit are by existential evidences by which he then employs instruments by which we know he's present. In the same way that you cannot perceive the wind except the leaves that blow in the air. Now we know we have a wind current, don't we? So you can't say, I see the Holy Ghost here. I see him there. You may see evidences, but your evidences must be right. Therefore, whenever the Spirit of God shows up to do something by way of revealing the glories of Christ, he comes in what we call manifestations. These are in our English term epiphanies. Epiphanies are when he opens the curtains and shows you in concrete, tangible, 3D form what he's doing. Now, I say that to say this. If God gives you a spiritual gift, you want to actually be able to identify that gift and you want to be able to actually understand how that gift functions. So there are seven things I want to say now by which you can write down. You want to, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue spiritual gifts. You want to pursue them. You do not want to neglect them. Spiritual gifts are not finally and totally about you. They're about God. And if my proposition earlier was true, daddy has no children who are without gifts. If that proposition is true, then I need to pursue the gifts, plural, that God has given me. The second thing you want to do in pursuing it is you want to ask God to help you discover them or identify them when you pursue them. 
because they're not all easily discovered or identified. I want to pursue them in prayer. I want to ask God to show me what he has designed for me in my life and how I am to learn how to, uh, how to function in his will according to a spiritual dynamic, which is essential to me doing anything spiritual. The flesh profits nothing. So if I'm going to actually do something for the glory of God, he's going to, have to show me how that thing works in my life. Okay, so I want him to reveal to me my gifts and then I want him to give me grace after he after I discover them to receive them. Going back to a previous DOG, which we will pick up again in a couple weeks. What if God shows you gifts and yet you are negligent to receive them? You and I are now becoming culpable for what I'm going to talk about in the close of why God gives all of us gifts. He gives us gifts to give God glory. But are you ready? All gifts go back to God. So let me start again, because I want you to get this. This is a long running start on things I want you to understand. Pursue spiritual gifts, receive them. After they are discovered, receive them. And once they are received, have them affirmed. Affirm. What do I mean by affirmed? No man boasted of himself, of his own gifts. Others have to affirm that gift in your life. Everybody loves to talk about how they love Jesus and how spiritual they are and how they got all these gifts. But what if nobody affirms you in your gifting? You have just walked around deceiving yourself. This is part of the false prophet ministry and syndrome that dominates our world. Solomon said it just like this. He that boasteth in a false gift is like winds without rain and clouds without water. They look good, bring no consequences. Are you hearing me? So we want to be able to uh, seek, pursue spiritual gifts discover them and then receive them. And upon receiving them, have them affirmed by others who are mature and are spiritual in nature and can tell you, yes, that is the gift of God in your life. You're going to see 1 Corinthians 12 is about an intramural working of the gifts of the spirit in the body of Christ. See, right now you're thinking autonomously. That's one of the major defaults that we have in our present culture. For God, he never thinks about the body of Christ autonomously. He never thinks about the finger by itself or the toe by itself or the hand by itself. God always thinks in the total composite of the body of Christ. So the gifts that I'm talking to you about are initially what we call in-reach gifts. We've got two spheres that we're operating out of. I might as well give you them now. In-reach and outreach. In-reach and outreach. The goal of God and the saving of the people of God is to bring them into the body. And once you're brought in, there is an in-reach calling. In-reach. Where the body of Christ is to be operating internally among itself for the edification of itself in love. So that it grows up and becomes strong and then can function as a testimony of him who came, assumed our nature and manifested the glory of God and the incarnation. Again, which we will worship here shortly in three weeks. Am I making sense? So we have inreach ministry and then we have outreach ministry. After we learn how to love each other on the inside, then we go on the outside and expand the body of Christ by drawing men and women into a revelation of the glories of God in Christ by the gifts that God hangs on us. What do you mean hang on us? Well, we don't produce them. God deposits them in our life. 
And they're there to actually adorn his grace in our life and draw sinners to the message of the gospel. Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's grace-bible.com. And again, If you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you would like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.